Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Thank you very much. What a privilege to be here. I'm, like uh, Henny said, I'm Afrikaans speaking, so if I gooi it now and then, just forgive me. And one thing you, you will notice about the people is, I will know exactly who the Afrikaans people is, because when I will say something wrong, they will laugh at me. But English people will never laugh at an Afrikaans person trying to speak English. But Afrikaans people, when somebody speaks English and there's maybe a little bit of an accent or some funny thing, then they will laugh. Luckily, I don't vis and vat. I'm past the vis and vat, but I can get it all mixed up. Sometimes my tongue just, and to flow, comes natural in Afrikaans, so obviously, so... Uh, but I've got it all here. It's a blessing and a privilege to be here. I don't know why it took two and a half years to be here. So you can must speak to the man. Because I've, I've known him for two and a half years. And he's ministered at our church, not once, not twice, more than that. At the conference, yet I only get invited now. But you can sort him out. So I just thought I'll say that. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, maybe, maybe you say after today, just keep him in Malmesbury, please. It's just better. Um, just a little bit of background. Um, I'm married, uh, and my wife is Anne. She's there receiving Sean and Esther, because Esther's with Sean today. And then I have two daughters, also married. And I've got three grandchildren. The fourth one is arriving on the 6th of May, I hear. So then it will be four. So, and we, um, I became part of the KLC family in 2020. I've known Pastor Dave and Sean and Albie and Claudia long time ago, since the PPK, if you know the PPK. I don't know if, if the English is PPC. It likes, PPC sounds like cement. So, I'll rather say the PPK. And uh, so, that's Pentecost. That's where I come, come from. And that's where I met Dave and them. Ministered as he, at his congregation and he at my congregation. And then it's so nice to have Honey and the family here, her husband. Uh, I, I went into ministry out of their church. I was his youth pastor. And uh, what a privilege to have them here. So, yeah, I came out of uh, Pinkster and uh, then I went over to, to Levende Voort in Grobrosdal. I stayed up there. Neville Norden and, and the guys and uh, was part of their church and then went over to Christ Life Ministries uh, as I came to know or as I was introduced to grace, uh, started um, hearing a different sound. People spoke different. One of my friends, Pastor Warren Graham, or Graham, one day we had a meeting and when I met him at the door, he just started and he greeted me and he said, welcome and uh, you are blessed and we are co-seated in heavenly places and and he went off and he had all these words and I was baffled and I said listen you can stop it now it's only me it's like fun huh? you can greet me in a normal way and then I could heard uh, could could hear that he has heard something and then we were introduced to a guy with the name of Johan Mokke and he started introducing us to grace and I started listening to Joseph Prince, and I, I met Arthur Manches, and he came and ministered at us, and, 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 and I thought in 2005 I was introduced to grace, and I thought, is this the new Bible that I'm reading? It's, it's, it's amazing that because where I come from, it was all about, about law and performance, and you have to do, 
to keep God satisfied. And, and it was quite easy in a sense because if anything went wrong, you could blame it on God or on yourself. You could say, oh, because, and that's what we said. We said to people, oh, you didn't pray enough. You didn't give enough. You didn't worship enough. You didn't, whatever, you had to do enough of it for God to be satisfied. And um, then I went out of full-time ministry. My wife was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2010, uh, undergone chemo and radiation. And then at the end of 2010, I left the full-time ministry. Just quickly, I, I just call it full-time ministry. But then there's no such a thing as full-time and part-time ministry. If you love the Lord, you're full-time in ministry. It's just that's what we do. As you go to the, to, to, to the bank on a Monday morning and you walk in there because you work there, or wherever you work, we just work in the ministry. So, but we are all Full-time. God doesn't have part-time and full-time people. Oh, yeah, yes, he's a, he's a special. These are the special guys. they full-time. Are oh, you? Oh. No, not a thing like that. So then I went out and I, we, we had our own business up there in Robbersdale. And then I worked at a farm for four years uh, as a QC manager in the Packhouse, Citrus Packhouse. And was a Packhouse manager in the grape season. And then at one stage, I just said, Lord, this is not what I'm called to do. So I was uh, in, in my baki, we were in, in the citrus season. And um, I said to the guys, listen, everything is, all, everything is running smooth. I'm just going to drive just for a while. I'll, I'll, I'll be back now. And I drove into the, uh, to, to, to where all the, the, the orange trees and stuff is. And in that specific place, I, I didn't remember that then, but there was no cell phone reception. So I just sat there with the door of the bucket open, and I was speaking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, this is not what I want to do. And my phone rang. And I didn't think anything of it. And when I looked at it, it was Pastor Dave Basson. I've spoken to him years before. I haven't seen him in years. Sean came and ministered at Leaven of Word, but I haven't seen Dave in years. I knew he was down here in the Cape. And I said, Dave, wow, how's it going? And he said, no, wonderful. Listen, I, I haven't been obedient. I had to call you earlier, but God's timing is always exactly right. And he said, I, was, uh, I had to call you, and I wanted to ask you, what are you doing? And I said, no, I'm working in the back house. And, and, and he said, I want to ask you if you don't want to be part of the KLC family. And I said, Dave, you won't believe at this moment, right at this moment, I was speaking to God and saying, this is not what you, who you called me to be. And the phone rang, and it's you, and you asked me to be part of the KLC family. Now, I always wanted to move down to the Cape. I don't know why we don't have family in the Cape. I hear now I've got a niece or somewhere here by Langerbahn, but we don't have family in the Cape. All, we were born up there in Joburg, and my mom and them come from Malvern, and, so, and my dad comes from Rustenburg, so we've got no family here. But I just knew I had to come down to Cape Town. So when he said, become part of the family, I then said to the guys, I'm going to leave, moved down to the Cape during COVID, how stupid can you be? Or just how obedient can you be? So we just moved down. And um, when the people ask me now, will you ever move back? I say, never, ever, ever. 
If God wants me back, he'll have to speak to me. There'll be two angels sounding trumpets, and then I need bevestiging as well. So I'll need some confirmation. I'll never go back. I hated to go up there. I've got to marry, uh, go and marry a couple this weekend coming. So my wife and myself, is, uh, we are flying down on Friday, and, and then I've got to travel on those roads and, 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 <laughs> and then get to the place. And, I mean, I've been living there my whole life. I'm only in the Cape two and a half years, and I just thought, Lord, couldn't this have been earlier? And then yesterday morning I drove, and I saw Table Mountain, and I said, thank you, Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful place. So I'm in awe. I'm just, uh, my back on when I see Table Mountain, I just go, it's just beautiful. The people say you get used to it. I don't know. So this is where I want to be, and I want the Lord to come while I'm in, in the Cape. I've got my whole family. Both my daughters have moved down, so I'm, there's nothing up there, uh, up there except my parents. They're in, in Polakwane, so I go and visit now and then. Uh, they are 85 and 82 years old, and... Uh, but I don't want ever, ever want to go. And then when I came down to the family, I uh, was called to go into Malmesbury, and we started the Afrikaans-speaking church there for KLC, because KLC is English, met Salome and Henny. Aren't you glad that they are your leaders? What awesome people. Can't we just give the Lord a hand just for them? Awesome, awesome. And uh, we became friends, and yeah, and now I'm here. Now I must start, otherwise I'm going to keep you busy for quite a while. Um, in the fivefold, I'm a teacher, so I use a lot of scripture, uh, and that, uh, so that there's no doctrine that can come in and whatever and whatever. And I want to talk to you um, just a little bit about grace, and I want to talk to you about mercy and just give you the meaning of the words. I know you know, but give you some extra meaning, and then you can see the kind of God we serve. We had a different picture of him where I come from. So it was a lot of law, and it was difficult to serve the Lord where I came from. It was very difficult. And yet the Word teaches us. My first scripture, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. doesn't matter what version you've got. I just love the Amplified because it's very loud. I hear it's been uh, translated by a woman. Um, really, and that's why it's loud, but I love it. It explains a lot. Uh, <laughs> um, come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace, and I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. This did not make sense because what I found out, or that was part of my, my life, is I tried my best to please God, just to fail, to feel condemned, to try harder, to fail even more, to feel utterly condemned, and at the end decided, this is too much. I'd rather just mark... 
because this is too difficult. And then I read the scripture and I thought, this doesn't make sense. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. You see, I trusted the Lord for my salvation, but I never ever trusted him enough to keep my salvation or to keep everything intact. I had to do that, or I thought so. So I would believe him for my salvation. But the moment I'm saved, it all depends on me to keep it intact. And that's where the problem comes in. Because we can never, ever uphold. Never, ever, ever, ever. When I got introduced to grace, it changed my life forever. And one of, the, one of my favorite Bible characters, and I want to meet him personally, and I want to drink some, some Coke with him. I love Coke. You can tell by, by, by my figure. This is not... I don't get this by running. Um, I love sweets. I'm a, I guess a soutant. The thing that gets me under is coffee with condensed milk in it. And there by the daily, they've got a thing called a tin cup. And that's what I drink, a tin cup. And uh, Sully, Annie's husband, he was like that. He, him and condensed milk and sweets and stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, my dream, can I quickly share my dream? My dream is to fall into a pot of melted chocolate, but it must not burn me. <laughs> so, so, and then I just want to swim around and just go like this. <laughs> until I can't anymore, and then, then, then get out. So, whenever it's my birthday, my wife knows chocolate cake with caramel condensed condensed milk in layers. That's my. It's not good for you. Sugar is not good for you. And my wife scolds me all the time. I, I will. I will. I will. So that's, that's just a little bit of me. Anyway, uh, one of my favorite Bible characters, Paul. What an awesome man of God. Romans 1, 16. I'm reading out of the modern King James Version. Paul comes and he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. Some translations say it is a. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, there's a specific message the gospel of Christ. There's a lot of people who proclaim that they are proclaiming the gospel, but it's not the gospel because the word gospel means good news. And if I condemn you, it is not good news. You can think about it, you can you can look at it from all angles. If I don't share news that is good, it is not the gospel. And I found that out. And some people say, oh my goodness, you guys, you, you hyper grace guys. You just give people a license to sin. If you sin under grace, you don't understand grace. Because grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the power to overcome sin. And if you understand grace, you live a life that's free for the Lord. So you've just got to get that. The good news of Christ, the gospel. The Thayer, 
gives the next definition of this scripture where it says the gospel of Christ. It says, the good news of Christ, a reward for good tidings, good tidings, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God soon to be set up and subsequently also of Jesus the Messiah, the founder of this kingdom. The glad tidings of salvation through Christ. The proclamation of the grace of God manifest and pledged in Christ. That's the good news. So if I tell you that you are on your way to hell, is that good news? No. Is there hell? Yes. Yeah. I don't say that there isn't. So when the people start talking to me and we sit down, they, they find out, oh, so you do believe in what we believe. I do. But it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, the Bible teaches. Because with condemnation, f- condemnation is fear-based. And I can only manipulate you for a while until you see, ah, oh, this is not, not what's happening. So fear can only hold you for a short while. And then you come to the revelation and you're not under fear anymore. And that's the end of it. What is the gospel? Arthur Manchus gave the, the, the next description of the gospel. I don't know if I've put it up. The gospel is the good news. Have I put it up? Ah, there. Good. The gospel is the good news message. Of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ and everything it has accomplished for all men for all time because of God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's goodness and forgiveness towards people. That is the gospel, the good news. The gospel is the good news message of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ and everything it has accomplished for all men, for all time, because of God's grace, love, mercy, goodness, and forgiveness towards people. Paul says, I am not ashamed of this message. This message. Not one of law that's got a lot of do's and don'ts, but it's all about what Christ has done for us. A message of reconciliation. I think Pastor Henny will remember this. Long time ago in church, we were all about ministries. What's your ministry and what's your gifting? And it is. It's, it's great. But people wanted to know what's, what's, what's my ministry. And we did courses and we did tests. And then you find out, okay, your ministry is making tea. And I'm just joking, but some people, and some people thought they had the ministry of pointing the finger criticism no not at all here's a ministry that pertains to every single person the next scripture so if you haven't found out what your ministry is can i quickly tell you 2 corinthians 5 verse 18 and 19 and i'm reading this out of the amplified classic version but all things are from god who through jesus christ reconciled us to himself received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us, and gave to us, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. There's your ministry. A message of reconciliation telling the world is paid the price in full. You are part of him. All that you have to do is to receive it in faith and you're part of the family. That's what he's done. 
It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration to favor. This is our message. It's so bad that people always remember you for the bad things that happened in your life or that you did wrong. Long time ago. It's like, do you remember Oom Gerki? Oom Gerki? No. Man, that guy who, uh, who stole all the money of the... Ch- oh, I remember him. In the meantime, he's given his life to the Lord. He's sold out to Jesus. He's having the ministry of reconciliation, telling people because he's got experience of the love of God. We go around and say, yeah, this die. We always remember that. The ministry is to proclaim the good news of reconciliation, the gospel. You see why a lot of people ask me, Fana, uh, why am I on earth? Or why, I, why am I created? Or what is my purpose? Well, there's a couple of Bible things that someone sorts it out lacking. And the first thing is in Revelations, he said, we were created for God's pleasure. The King James says in Revelations. We were created. Why am I created for God's pleasure? Now you can decide, am I bringing him pleasure every single day? Or not. So there's some other one thing. We are created for his pleasure. But, and this is an awesome definition, we, we were created to be a unique, creative, and powerful revelation of Christ to and for the world. I'm going to say it again. You and I were created to be a unique because there's no other person like you on the face of the earth. Unique. We were created to be a unique creative. We all have created power inside of us because God is the creator of the universe and we were created in his image and that's why we are creative. You do it in a way nobody else can do it and powerful. We were created to be unique, creative and powerful. His power in and through us. Revelation of Christ to and for the world. He went so far as to say the following, Paul, writing about this gospel that he received via revelation, the gospel of grace. He says, Galatians 1 verse 6 to 9, starting from verse 6, I am astonished and extremely irritated that you are so quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. For a different, even contrary gospel. Which is really not another gospel. But there are obviously some people masquerading as teachers. Who are disturbing and confusing you with a misleading counterfeit teaching. And want to distort the gospel of Christ. Twisting it into something which, is, which it absolutely is not. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we originally preached to you. Let him be condemned 
to destruction. As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel different from that which you received from us, let him be condemned to destruction. That's harsh words. Paul is saying, if you hear anything else except the grace that we've been teaching you, let him be accursed, the one translation said. Even if an angel from heaven comes with a different gospel. You see, because mixed in there, there were teachers of the law that mixed with the people that Paul and them were ministering to. And they were starting to bring in, a, yeah, it's fine, grace is lovely, but you have to be. And you have to do. And you have to eat. And, and that's what they came in. And that's why Paul said, wow. Grace and mercy must be part of the gospel. And that's the revelation Paul received. Galatians 1 verse 11 and 12. Let's read that. Verse 11. For I want you to know, believers, that the gospel which was preached by me is not a man's gospel. It is not a human invention, patterned after any human concept. For indeed I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. There was none bigger religious man on the face of the earth than Paul. This guy was religious. He killed the church in the name of religion. And when he met with God and God said, the gospel that you are busy with is the wrong gospel, he changed it. And at first, the church didn't want to receive him. And then after they received him, he came and he said, wow, this is the gospel that I have received from him. The problem is we are trying to do a lot of things. God called us or God made us human beings and not human doings. Yet we do all the while. We do and do and do and do. He created us human beings and not human doings. I quickly want to talk about the mercy and the grace of God. I've got to give you this meaning. You, you've got to have this because after the, you've got this meaning, when you read the Bible and you read those words, you'll never look at that the same. And everything, remember this, everything we read in the Bible must come through the cross because it's finished. Some things will come to the cross and stay at the cross, but some things will come through the cross. Just an example, blessings and curses came to the cross Curses stopped because he became a curse for you and I. And blessing went through the cross. So you've got to measure everything you read. Use the cross. And if it, as a newer young company, you say, this kite is not flying. It's got to come through the cross. Finish work of the cross. So let's quickly have a look. You see, for a long time, I thought grace, wa grace was a, a, a dogma or grace was a doctrine. But I found out that grace is a person, Jesus Christ. And this just changed my mind completely. Grace is not doctrine. Grace is not, a, not another religion. Grace is a person, Jesus Christ. John 1.17, King James, says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came 
by Jesus Christ. So the law was given, grace came. Just another scripture, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We just read that, but grace and truth came. Jesus is truth, and that's why grace is a person. What is the meaning of the word grace? Um, the most com- co- common one, unmerited favor. And, 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 and that's right, absolutely. And then you get people that takes the word grace and it says, they say it's God's riches at Christ's expense, grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's not wrong. And, 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 but I want to give you another meaning of, uh, meaning of grace this morning. And, 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 but I first want to share one scripture that I, I haven't got up there. I just want to ask you, maybe you thought about this because I thought about this. And then after I found out the meaning of grace, now it made totally sense. Can you remember or um, recall to remembrance the scripture in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul is suffering with a thorn in his flesh and three times he asked God to help him and the answer that he received was, my grace is sufficient. And I thought, that's not how we play the game. I'm in dire straits here. I need help. I'm asking you three times. I'm asking you please to help me. And you say, my grace is sufficient. I actually need a little bit more. I need to get out of this predicament. I need some, yeah, I, need, uh, I need, really need to get out of this. Until I found out what the meaning of the word grace is, if you go to the, to the Greek and to the Hebrew and the verbeigingsform and forms with your bang mark and you come to the next conclusion. Grace is God's ability, I think I've got it up there, God's ability working in and through me to do and to accomplish those things that does not come natural. Or then God's help to help me with the things that I struggle with, in a shorter sense. Grace is God's ability working in and through me to do and accomplish those things that does not come natural. Because it's a person. It's Jesus living his life in and through me. And when I saw that definition, I said, now it makes sense. Because Paul says, Please help me. And God says, don't you worry. You won't be able to do it. But me, in and through you, will accomplish it. And then I said, whoa, what an answer. But firstly, I thought, Galatians 2.20, King James, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Don't say, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. Some translations say the faith in the Son of God, but it's wrongly translated. The King James has got the right one. By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not even my faith. It's not even my faith. Yet I want to make it all about me. My best effort, my faith, I'm trying, I'm scoring some brownie points points with the Lord. Look at the Passion Translation, says Galatians 2.20, Passion. It says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of the cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of of this new life is no longer mine. 
For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Yesterday. What the scripture? But if, if you want to see how alive I am, if you want to see how, uh, if, if, uh, if a dead animal next to the road is dead, you kick it. Kick me and see how alive I am. I can stand here and say all kind of holy things to you. But kick me. Drive in front of me if you're a taxi. Especially where I come from. Because if you dodge the taxi, you drive into a hole. Luckily, there's no holes down here in the Cape. So sometimes we say and we wish to, but you get in, a circ in circumstances and immediately it's, and then you say, oh, I'm not so dead after all. And now you can do one or two things. You can now fall back into condemnation and say, oh, here, uh, please, Lord, help me. I'm just a sinner. And there you go. Or you can say, oh, this is not the truth of my life. Because if it's you in and through me, all I need is a revelation in this area of my life of your love towards me and the love of God that shines into my life in this situation transforms my life and now I do, do it differently. No condemnation, rather inspiration to say this is not the truth of your life. This is not what the cross is about. You can't go about like a hooligan and say, oh, excuse me, we were born this way, the fun and of us, you know. Opa Groeke was like this, Opa was like it, Dad was like, and I'm like this, and my son is even a grutter knop. No, not at all, not at all. <laughs> not at all. That's where you change and say, this is not the truth of my life. Grace is about all that He has done for me. Nothing about what I must do for him. Follow now, we don't ever do anything. Of course you do. But it's not to score brownie points or because I'm under condemnation. Because it's his life in and through me. I do. And it comes natural. If there's a situation that needs God to be manifested, I'm there. So I do. But the motive is now different. It's not I do to get somewhere, I do because I am already seated in heavenly places with Him. That's the meaning of grace. God working in and through me. So keep that in mind because I want to end with my most favorite scripture. I wanted to get a tattoo of that scripture, but I'm too scared of needles, so I'm not going to get it anymore. So I'll, I'll never get it. And then somebody said, the scripture is too long because I wanted it in the Amplified. There's no room on my arm. And then I said, oh, where won't it hurt a lot? And they said, on the, like on the inside of your arm here. And I thought, whoa, fed cook. Rather my lousy tattoo and um, just be tattoo free for that matter. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to say it. I love tattoos. I'm not going to say it. Um, gracious. Okay, so now we've, 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 we're going to have a generation that's full of tattoos. Yeah, old people that's full of tattoos. I won't be here anymore, but the next generation will, Kijk, all die old mensen moet die tattoos, pa. Yup. Because 
that's just part of, the, of life now, isn't it? It's, it's part of life. And, it, it, and, it, and it's no hassle. It's no hassle. I always wanted. I said, Lord, I want. Can I my shares? This is all right. No, you're still okay. Please don't change your opinion of me. If you, li- if you like me, just keep it like that. Just forget this if this is not resonating with you. I always wanted somebody in my church band that's got a hat on and tattoos on, on there. And, and that's why I, I just love um, all these new worship. I know there's people out there that doesn't like them and they say it's a worldly show and, and all of that. But um, anyway, and, and I've got one. So now in, in our band, we've got Marcel. He's got a hat and tattoos. So the other day I said, yes, actually, Blay, thank you, Levi. He's a great tattoos in the band. So it's just, uh, anyway, that's just. So this is now grace. I've got to end with, a, with, with mercy. What's the meaning of mercy? The Bible teaches that his mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, English Standard Version says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's got nothing to do with you and I. Great is your faithfulness. What does mercy mean? I'm so glad you asked me because I've got it. Mercy is God's willingness, His passion, His desire, and His ability to treat you better than what you deserve. That's the meaning of the word mercy. Oh, isn't that awesome? Mercy, God's willingness, God's passion, God's desire and ability to treat you better than you deserve. And every single day God wants to treat you better than you deserve. What an awesome God. And it all comes from Him. There's nothing I did that I've done, that I can do to deserve it or not deserve it. Quickly read Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 7. I want to read and you'll see where all of this comes from. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 7 verse 4. But God, so rich is He in His mercy, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses. We weren't even in a position to love Him back. He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ Himself, the same new life with which He quickened Him. For it is by grace, His favor and mercy, which you did not deserve that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And He raised us up together with Him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with Him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He did this that He might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of His free grace, His unmerited favor, in His kindness and goodness of heart towards us in Christ Jesus. It's all about Him. Where did we start to make it about ourselves? Exacolere. 
And you hear the prayers of Ansari. Oh Lord, it's difficult. Yaras Muila, I'm battling. And 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 that's the experience that they had. And that's how they perceived it. But nobody told them it's good news. And you can say, Lord, I'm struggling. But you in and through me, that's a different cup of tea. That's a different cup of tea. Now, I want to close with the scripture that I wanted to put on my arm, but I could not. And armed with this meaning of grace and mercy, I quickly want to read this, quickly look at the meaning, and then end and leave you in awe of this awesome God. Father, does God hate sin? Absolutely. But he sorted it out on the cross of Calvary. He hasn't got a problem with it anymore. You and I have the problem with it. Not him. Not him. Right, Hebrews 4, 16. This is the most, my most favorite scripture in the whole of the Bible. Amplified Classic says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. We need to go to God whenever we struggle. Yet we were taught, since we like little like this, you're playing cricket in the yard. My dad said, watch, watch out for the living room window. Yop, yopa. Don't play cricket. Yopa. What do we do? We play cricket. What happened? I hit the ball. Where did the ball go? Through the living room window. A big window. What happened? When my dad came, it was as if the rapture had taken place. There was no one. Skyki was he kinners? He said, I always called my mom Skyki. So he said, Skyki, where are the kids? No, Franz, I don't know. I think they are around. We're missing. We had to come out some other time. You had no, what is vrijmoedigheid in Engels? Ja, is ismus, wat ons hier lees, boldness, you had no, ja, Afrikaans praat van vrijmoedigheid. No boldness to come to your dad because he got home and you, you hide. That's how I prayed when I was under law. Whenever I did something wrong, I saw me prayed under another name. No, you use the scale name in Afrikaans, ne? Hallo, jere, dit is moed en wat praat. You can't say fana. You've got to say there. And then you like, so first of all, what happened to the window? We've got no idea. No idea. What we, we, we haven't been here. I don't think we've lived here for more than half an hour. We don't know. What happened to this window? Did you play cricket? Never. Ever. Cricket. I don't even know. Yo. And you just keep on getting into trouble because you lie and you lie. And in the end, we got a hiding. And our pocket money was used to fix the window. So when I be grew up and I became a Christian, whenever I did wrong, I had no boldness. 
to come to the throne of grace. I would hide from God because I felt condemned. I felt that I failed Him. How can I ever pray to this awesome God after I failed Him so badly? And this is not the first time and not the second time. This is like the umpteen time. Yet I haven't ever discovered that in my walk with the Lord, there's a thing called a mulligan. If you play golf, you know what a mulligan is. A mulligan is you hit a shot, and even when it goes anywhere, it doesn't get added to the scorecard. So you take seven shots to get into the hole, you count some of five, or you had two mulligans somewhere along the line. So real golfers don't do mulligans, but us weekend warriors or holiday warriors, we do that. God's got a mulligan for you and me all the time. And when I come to him and I say, Lord, I'm so sorry because what I've done, then he would say, done what? Because it's taken care of 2,000 years ago. Think about it. Where did it happen? On the cross of Calvary. And then he would say, but I know of nothing that went wrong or that you did wrong. And that's why I have to repent. What does repent mean? I have to change my mind and say the same as another, the word repent means. So in other words, God says, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That's how you say sorry. Lightning, if the lightning strikes me now, Lord, oh please, no. You say, I've done this. It's not your character. It's not the truth of my life. It's not who you are in and through me. Sorry, Lord, I turn, I think of myself as you think. I speak of myself as you speak. Have you seen that sometimes you give some people a compliment and they like look around, who are you talking to? Jy like mooi. People can't take a compliment because there must be something wrong somewhere. Zephaniah says, God sings a song about you and me. Have you ever had this picture in your mind? You wake up in the morning and God sings a song about you. We've got this picture of this, and with great respect, this gray old man with a long beard and a longer stick, and that just waits to, to like hit me, to hit me. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer, the very religious people who met us in spa said, what have you done wrong for the wrath of God to be on you? I thought, I clap you, and I wanted to say things that I can't say now. To the English-speaking people, I got very upset. And I said some stuff that I had to ask forgiveness for after that. And I thought, how can you? My wife is fighting for her life. Where do you come from? What have you done wrong? Because that's the only thing. God must have done that. So somewhere in your life, something is wrong. And I said, there's nothing wrong in her life. If there's one person who loves the Lord with all of her heart, it's my wife. And I can say it boldly. I sometimes, I doubt it myself. But my wife, absolutely. Absolutely. She loves the Lord. She's sold out. She only tells, tells you what the Lord says. And sometimes I say, Oh, here can say, still blame me. You will meet her. And I say, Lord, can you please, I know there's a thing coming now. Oh, Lord, can you please just, and just, Lifling, 
And she doesn't. She says what she needs to say. And I go, here comes pastoring and silkenige kursus for a long time after this. And some people can't handle it. They can't handle her because people can't handle the truth. People rather have you lie to them, but never ever speak the truth. Yet truth is part of who we are. I just always tell her there's a way to say it, you know. There's a way to tell me I'm a pisang. You can tell me I'm a banana, but there's a way. You can let me feel good. Listen, I want to tell you, you're a real banana. Ach, thank you, man. She just said, you a pisang. Oh, that's not the way. But anyway, so I'm off and I'm... I'm um, let's quickly have a look at this scripture. Let us fearlessly and confidently and boldly. In other words, there's nothing that separates us from coming to him. Nothing that separates you. But I've done wrong. It's sorted out in Christ already. This has come to the cross, but not through the cross. It is sorted out. You've got to see yourself as he sees you. Because then we'll stop doing what we are doing. So, let us fearlessly. So, when if th- something goes wrong, I've got this boldness to come to him and to say, Father, I messed up. And he's waiting with open arms for you and I because he knows that you can't do it on your own. So, let us fearlessly and confidently. So, there's nothing. Draw near to the throne of grace. There's a place that we freely receive unmerited favor. Why don't we want to run to that place? Why will we look at this with all kinds of things? And uh, It can't be bad to miss it, or I can't be bad to miss it, and I can't be too good to make it. It's all about Him. There's a place where I receive that. That we may, so let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of God, that we may receive mercy. It's a place where He wants to treat me better than what I deserve. And if I've messed up, I need to be treated better than what I deserve because I actually deserve a hiding because we've grown up that way. I've grown up nowadays. Sorry for the mamas and the papas. Different thing. I'm just one of the old school guys and I, I believe God made children with little uh, pipes, um, little pipes g- going from their ears that goes in, in them and to their behind. And wax gets built up in the ears from time to time because of all different kinds of weather situations. So when you heat up the behind at the right time with the right attitude, the wax actually melts in the ears and it opens up and they start listening. It's awesome. I just say uh, hiding at the right time in the right place works wonders. I get by and I turned out not too bad. The trouble is we we are mensenrechten, human rights. Everybody's got a right. And that's why now if I go to school I can manifest as an armed helicopter if I feel it like. Today I want to be a helicopter. Is it? Yes. Chuk, 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 down hook. I, I actually get so upset, but I'd rather just handle it this way. 
Yes, I can't call it forth. Anyway, let's let I must <clears throat> that we may receive mercy. In other words, <laughs> help when we need it and find grace. In other words, when I'm in trouble and I go to the throne, I get treated better than what I deserve. And it is him working in and through me to accomplish the things that I battle with. Because I receive grace through and in good time for every need. In actual fact, help just when I need it. When do I need help? When I mess up, I need help. I don't need it after that. So now, and I'm finished. That is what I want to do. When I mess up, I want to run to him and say, Father, Something is not right because I'm not living the truth of my life. That's you. I'm not being a revelation of you in and for the world because I'm battling. And Father says, I'm so glad that you came to me because I've got the answer. We run to all kinds of things and we do all kinds of things. And and right in the end, why do we always have to come to God right in the end? It's like us men, when you unpack a new thing, you don't read the manual. I know how to put this thing together. And after you've put the whole thing together, it's skew, it's got two loose ends and 14 washes and two bolts. My work done. What about reading the manual? And then you find out, oh my goodness. So why don't we just read the manual, come to him, Receive grace and mercy. Be who he created us to be. Be a revelation of him to the world because that's the ministry of reconciliation. Share the good news and God is glorified. End of story. Grace and mercy. Good news. Good news. And I hope this good news blessed you. And I hope you can think about this and take the scriptures and just go read. And, and, and I don't say that now you never do anything wrong anymore and gaan on. Now you can say, Pastor Henny, yes, we like that, Pastor Fana. Just that guy. He just said we can do whatever we want. God is okay. I want to say that you can do whatever you want. God is okay. But that's not the way to do it. Because there's consequences for everything, every choice we make. And you don't get, so if you steal, you go to jail. Even if you sing, hallelujah, in jail, you'll go to jail. Because that's a consequence, ne? So don't think that because you hallelujah, God, if you murder someone, you'll end up on death row. Well, I don't know, yeah, somewhere in Alaska maybe. And, and, but you'll, you'll still end up there, but you'll be free in Christ. So there's consequences. Don't ever get the two mixed up. But I want to tell you, we've got a message of reconciliation that we must share, but we must first take it for ourselves. There's nobody as hard on you as yourself. And, and the grootste een om te vergewe is yourself. It's easier to forgive other people than yourself. Because you know who you are. Jy weet jou doelwit. You know where you want to go. You know what you're supposed to do. So when you fail, you're hard on yourself. Today I want to say, relax in Christ Jesus. God's grace and God's mercy is part of the good news of God. Can we stand up and then we pray together? hope I haven't bored you with all the scriptures. But it's life-changing. It can just be an olike boodskap, or you can go home and make it part of your life.
so it can transform you. Go into the scriptures and have a look. Let's close our eyes and pray together. Father, we come to you this morning. We are so glad that you are our heavenly Father. Thank you for the price that you paid once and for all. Thank you that the life we now live is the life, as Paul writes, that Christ lives in and through us. We need to let go of ourselves. We need to let go of, of wrong teachings. We need to let go of condemnation and guilt and law. We need to come under your grace. We need to see who you see or, or what you see. Be who you've called us to be. And we can only do that when we get into Scripture, read the Bible with the Holy Spirit that comes and makes the Scripture alive and turns it around. Now we can receive grace, a person. We can receive mercy. We can be treated better than what we deserve. And the moment we get that revelation, we start treating other people better than what they deserve. Now instead of uh, saying, but that person and that person, we can say, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. Lord, set that person free. What an awesome turnaround. It would be if all we do is treat other people better than what they, de they deserve. But sometimes we think we are entitled to do this and entitled to do that. We're entitled to the life that you have given us to live in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for transforming power. And everybody that's here this morning, thank you, Lord, that you will, through the Holy Spirit, make all of this scripture, make this message come alive in their hearts, that this will be a transformation, a life transformation, something that they can concentrate on and walk, have a, a real walk with you in life, something that changes not only their lives, but makes them effective witnesses out there. Thank you for the privilege of being part of the KLC family and now visiting our family in Stellenbosch. Thank you for Henny and Salumi. Thank you for the leadership. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for being here. And I pray, Lord, that this congregation will go from strength to strength. And as I experience the family value this morning, may this be the thing that goes out there. May, may this be the thing that draws people, the grace, the mercy, and family, being part of a family. We live, we live in a world where we need to be part of a family. Thank you that we are all part of this great big family. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.